0: Oh, we'll talk about quarterback. We'll be talking about quarterback right through the Carolina preseason game as if it's the end of the world. But be very, very sure that on South Water Street, the people who make these decisions are focused a lot more and ready to commit a lot more to inside, line, back, Arr, good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you've found this. The football world was rocked by the Seahawks cutting Bobby Wagner, and it should have been. This is a perennial All-Pro who's continued to perform at a high level, beloved beyond words by the football fans in the Pacific Northwest, and just told to go away. And, oh, by the way, on the same day that they traded Russell Wilson for Drew Locke. And, yes, I know there were other players involved, but I just like that imagery there of Wilson going for Locke. One might suggest that Seattle was adopting a form of the classic Friday news dump, if you're familiar with that concept. Anytime you have something that you need to get out to the public, but it's not really all that great, you wait until very late Friday afternoon when everybody's like driving home and thinking about the weekend, and you put it out then. That's what Seattle did. They shipped out the greatest player in franchise history, and then, oh, by the way, yeah, there it goes. There goes Wagner, too. Bottom line, there's no reason for the Steelers to not be interested in Wagner, and there's no reason to believe for a split second that they aren't. And I've got two reasons for saying this beyond the obvious that he's a really good player. One of them is that inside linebacker is the single greatest position of need on this football team offense or defense. That's not to say inside linebacker is more important than quarterback. It's just that you at least have a couple of people vying to be the quarterback in Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and whoever else you bring in. And an inside linebacker, you're left with the tattered remains of Devin Bush. We'll see if he bounces back. He might not. And there's no chance... Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin are bringing back Joe Shobert on that $8 million deal. He is as good as gone. What do you got after that? Buddy Johnson? You know, Marcus Allen? You don't have any inside linebackers. Still, all this time later, all these years after Ryan Shazier's injury, you still don't have inside linebackers. After trading up to get one in the first round, You still don't have even one that you can count on next year. Two, my other reason for believing that the Steelers would be very interested in this player, even if he comes at a premium price, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't linebacker in general the one position where these guys have never hesitated to be aggressive Know what I mean? For how many years was James Ferrier the only free agent they'd ever signed? How many times did they move up in the draft to get somebody? They love linebackers. They value linebackers. And I'll bet they were embarrassed beyond words by what they got out of that position on the inside in 2021. Like, not in the slightest, if Colbert and Tomlin didn't, A, go and spend big in free agency on an inside linebacker, and B, even consider additionally drafting one within their top two picks. Not in the slightest. And you know what? For all their other needs... I'm not sure I'd blame them. Let's say, and a lot of this is hypothetical, but it's March. We can do hypothetical. Let's say that in addition to Tyson Alualu being back, that Steph onto it also is brought back, probably at some significantly lower price. Steph has told the Steelers that he wants to play in 2022. And the fact that it hasn't gotten done yet would strongly suggest that it's a matter of money. It almost always is anyway. Let's say that's worked out. And let's say you bring back that defensive front that they had in 2020, in the pandemic year, the empty stadiums, when they probably were, and by a lot of accounts, this can be supported, the best overall defensive front in football. From there, you wrap up Minka long-term, talk to Terrell Edmonds, try to secure your cornerbacks, whether that's Akella Witherspoon, who I'd love to see back. You've already got Cam Sutton. And just like that, you're talking about one of the better defenses in the conference for sure, maybe in the league. That's not hype. It's not exaggeration. The Steelers currently have three legit star talents. You don't need me to tell you who they are. But you might need me to remind you that in 2020, Tua was right there with those guys. And they had four. And that Alu really wasn't that far behind. People forget this was a first-round pick years ago. Became a really, really good player for this team. And if you're a head coach, specifically this head coach, with his defensive mindset and with a whole new defensive staff, with Terrell Austin as coordinator, Brian Flores just falling from the sky to be part of this group, you're going to embrace the opportunity to be really, really, really good on defense almost no matter what it does to the other side of the football we have seen it before i think we might see it again when we come back just one question in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Scott Gano in Erie, who writes all kinds of nice stuff, which I'll leave out here, but thanks, Scott. The actual cue is, with all this talk about Mason Rudolph starting, what concerns me the most is his durability. I'm willing to bet he doesn't make it half the season before he's broken in two. To me, it's essential that the Steelers sign an experienced NFL backup who has some mobility and can also take a hit. You know, Scott, there's a picture that gets passed around a lot on the Internet. And when I describe it, I'm going to guess that you'll recall it. It's the one where Mason's coming off the field. This was at Heinz, toward the sideline after he'd been knocked cold, I mean, knocked all the way out on just a vicious, brutal cheap shot. And when he came off, his helmet had been reduced to a single portion of the face mask. So he looked like uh, a place kicker from the 1960s or something as he came off, but you could tell he had no idea where he was. And I have seen this picture attached to very real expressed concerns about the image that that gave off about the Steelers, that they didn't like the weakness that was portrayed. If I saw this just from one clown, (laughs) I wouldn't even bring it up. But I've seen it multiple times now. We want a quarterback who's tougher than this. I'm not, believe me, taking this on you. I'll get to your question in a second. But for anyone to have watched Mason in 2019 and everything that he went through on and off the field, to have it even cross your mind as to whether or not he's tough enough to handle the quarterback position in the NFL, I'm I'm left speechless. I saw with my own eyes what he went through. Up close, home and road throughout that year. And I remember vividly in East Rutherford after he'd battled to come back and he was put out there and threw a couple of really really nice touchdown passes And started reminding you a little bit of why people had been excited about him, at least early on in his time here. And then his shoulder got messed up. Again, on a legit, really hard hit. It wasn't, you know, something where he just went, ow, this hurts. It was thrown out. And he sat there in the corner of the locker room, waiting. Waiting his turn to be interviewed, even though he'd obviously been replaced in that game. He didn't want to be in the trainer's room. He didn't want anybody to see that, you know, he might've looked like, woe is me, or he couldn't buck it up enough to talk to reporters. He sat there and waited, sat there and waited. Couldn't believe it. Like, get out of here. I, I was like, I don't have any questions for you. Just get out of here. You know, he showed me a lot that year. Now Are you bringing up something that might be a very real worry? Yeah, of course you are. But we just don't know. We just don't know. I can't make this point often enough. We haven't seen this young man in an offense that was tailored to him. And every time I say that, I get all kinds of responses in the comments, whether it's uh, on our website, DK Pittsburgh Sports, whether it's on YouTube or anywhere else that this show is heard, why are you always saying that about him? Why are you sticking up for him? Somebody said yesterday, are you like his brother or something? No, I'm just talking about what constitutes a fair chance for anybody. I'm not predicting a rousing success. If he is a success, I'm not going to come back at everyone and say, hey, I told you all he was going to be great because I don't think that. I don't think that. I think it's possible. I think it's possible that he could do well. Seems like a reasonable stance to take. I also think it's possible that within an offense that's built to his strengths, and Scott, this is my main point here, he'll know how to navigate it, where to go, how to elude it, how to work with his blockers, how to have escape hatches, you know, find the guys that are open at the last second, the checkdowns that a lot of people were criticizing him for in 2019. A lot of this comes with experience, and you don't get experience by not playing. So, I, I okay, we're brothers, I, I give. We're actually brothers. I've been holding on till the end of one of these uh, shows at the end of the week to try to come up with a, negative news dump here for you. (laughs) Mason Rudolph and I are brothers. We will do another daily shot of Steelers next Monday. Thanks to everybody so much for listening.